This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening again to Reclaiming Families. We are continuing on our three-part series of human growth and development. So, Yeah, it's uh, we are very excited about this series. I have just been blown away by this theory of human development. Now, this is a theory. It's not set in stone. Right. Um, but it's a but darn it's a, good theory. <laughs> it's darn good, my wife says. It's a... Uh, I agree. Like I really like as we get into this stuff, it's like wow. I I can see where they're getting this theory from. So uh, um, yeah, so we're excited to continue this on, and yeah. we've done pretty much uh, prenatal all the way up through early adulthood, yeah. and now we're moving on. To middle adulthood. Middle adulthood, and we'll go all the way to the end of life. But just if you have not been listening, um, we are going through Eric Erickson's psychosocial theory or psychosocial approach to counseling. And a lot of the information that we are taking from is from a book called Development Through Life, a Psychosocial Approach from Barbara and Philip Newman. So if you wanted to read more, that's a great resource. You could probably also just... Google Eric Erickson's psychosocial theory and it would come right up. Um, yeah, and it's a textbook. And so later on, my wife is going to ridicule me maybe for reading some of the stuff I wrote down. And and there's a lot of big words in there. It's going to be funny. I won't be able to pronounce them. But so I've uh, tried to tell him to stay away from the big words that he doesn't know. Um, and don't like, read passages and, just from the textbook. And, and quit reading the textbook on <laughs> the right, podcast. That's but right. he did it last time, and he's probably going to continue to do it again. I'm so sorry I can't stop him. That's right. That's, that's just right. what he's doing. But I think it's it's worth saying. So The other we'll, last we'll week, I translated something over and said something like in normal terms. And then he didn't like how I said it, and he went and read the textbook over <laughs> me. And I was like, you don't even know what any of those words mean. That's like, right. Why didn't did you just sense. do that? But, y'all, you know, you've been gracious to us because you're still listening to this podcast. And yep. we are, uh, we're excited to cover this stuff. We really are. And so before we get started, though, we want to lay some groundwork of what we're covering. If this is the first episode you've um, encountered, uh, we're going to talk about life stages. And so, for example, we're going to start with ladder uh, or middle adulthood. Yeah, and so we've already, really, if this is the first one you've listened to in this series, you should go back and listen to the Two first one. That's, yeah. right. yeah, that's right. Um, and just a reminder, the goal of this is, one, we think there is a lot of beauty in God's design for human growth and development and His design for the family and the way that... that people would grow and develop you know as an infant that you need your mother and father and you need um, warm relationships with caretakers maybe that's not always in a, in a perfect world it would be a mother and a father but we don't live in a perfect world so that's not always how it is but you need that warmth and then as you get older you know you need independence and you need um, to be able to 
work hard and figure things out. And so the goal of this is that we would be able to worship the Lord and seeing the beauty of how he created boys and girls and men and women and to be able to grow and develop and and how he's made the family such a strong unit when it works together so that's one reason and then it's also our hope that that you would see yourself as we go through these and and see where okay this is where i probably need to work on in development and and this is where i can kind of see how um how my mom and dad cared for me different things like that and then it's also probably the a huge goal of ours is that you'd be able to serve others well. And so a lot of um, the past episodes have been, how do you uh, serve your children? How do you serve your spouse, your peers? And then in this episode, it's kind of taking a turn for a lot of our listeners. It might still be, um, how do you see yourself and and how do you see your spouse? But it's also going to be, how do I serve your my parents? How do I serve my grandparents in light of of where they're at in these stages and how can I prepare for my own life to be healthy as I continue to age and and go through the, this process of development so yeah cuz we're all pro- progressing prog- we're all moving through life <laughs> and uh, progressing through life is what right. I'm trying to say and uh, so we're going to hit all these stages lord willing Yep. And uh, so, yeah, we're excited to get to today. But before we get started, let's lay some groundwork, too. So we're going to talk about the life stage. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about the developmental tasks that are kind of in that life stage, things That's that good. you should accomplish. Yeah. And then there's going to be a psychosocial crisis, something that either you uh, learn and do. You or excel in. You excel in or you... Become a, in a crisis. Or you fail in, right? <laughs> and so it's going to be... Which way do you go? So like for the infant, it was hope versus, I mean, sorry, it was trust versus mistrust is an example of exactly, that. Exactly, of the psychosocial crisis. And then you have the central process, so which is kind of how you get, get to yeah. uh, the trust or the mistrust. Yep. So uh, we use the example of like, infancy. It's like the caregiver. Yeah, your relationship the, with a caregiver. Yeah, is the one who teaches you to trust or mistrust. And so if you learn trust, in the example of the infant, you have this prime adaptive ego quality, which would be you learn hope. Hope, that's right. On the flip side, if, if you, you learn fail and get you, mistrust. You you don't learn to trust, then you withdraw. You get your core pathology is, is kinda like the bad character trait. Yeah. And uh example with MC you withdraw. Okay. So um so yeah, let's so we're going to pick back up then with um, middle adulthood. So we really have, we've been trucking. We went from conception all the way to age 34 in our last two episodes. And now we're at middle adulthood, which is ages 34 to 60. So the developmental tasks in middle adulthood are, go for it. They're managing a career nurturing an intimate relationship, expanding caring relationships, and managing the household. So if you think about that, that is a a lot of times people in this stage um, are, you know, have been married a, a few more years, you know, than the, than the early adult people. Um, and so, they have gone out of the honeymoon stage of their relationship and they're really working on nurturing potentially their marriage. Um, they might have a core group of friends that they're 
really working on maintaining and growing their intimate relationships. Career is huge in this stage of life. Um, as, as many of you know, you change careers several, several times in your life. Um, this is probably a point when you've changed careers a few times and you're starting to um, manage your career a little bit better. You might feel settled in a little bit more and are starting to kind of get your groove in your career. Um, you're, and you're managing the household. So, you know, whether you're married or single, you're really starting to, to set into your, how, how things are going in your house, you know, how, how to do things with children and, and, you know, those, those roles have shifted in this middle adulthood stage of life. So that's kind of what the middle adulthood stage looks like. And then our psychosocial crisis in this stage is... This is a good word right here. I'm going to pronounce it as generativity. That's how I pronounce it, too. Yeah, that's what I want to say. Versus stagnation. Yeah. And so generativity... Randy, would you like to read the definition that you've written down would, on this would, piece of paper? It we can says, translate it after he reads it. It says it encompasses generativity. Generativity is, it, it encompasses. <laughs> he can't even read it. It's, <laughs> it's a textbook. No. Um, procreativity, productivity, creativity, and thus the generation of new beings, as well as new products, new ideas, including a um, kind of self-generation concerned with further identity development and it's formed as a result of experiences of maintaining the world nurturing and being concerned and caring for others so if i were to translate that in a very short statement i suppose i think i would say leaving a legacy so it's that generation of new beings so new people you know you have like physical new people (laughs) maybe that is children that you've created. Maybe that's disciples that you've built up, um, people that you've poured your life into. So new people, um, and then new products, new ideas. So a lot of this is about creativity and uh, what you care for, what you pour your life into. Which creativity, I think, is the um, is part of that central process. Uh, but that we'll talk about here in a second. Yeah, and I just think like you've kind of progressed through life. You've become good, really competent at whatever you're uh, working at in your career. And you're using your career to... Or not just your career, your gifts, your time, your, your talents, your Yeah, treasures. your whole life yeah. In this, yeah, to serve others. and uh, Or make something of yeah. And those so, things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty... I think it's actually a pretty exciting, pretty cool stage. Yeah. And so it's kind of like you're past the awkward stages and you're starting to you to really get your stride. Right. You know who you are, you know what you're good at, and you're uh, you're fitting in your slot in the world yeah. and uh, making the world a better place. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, the crisis. So if you don't reach generativity, yeah, then you'll be in stagnation. Mm. So. We all know what stagnation kind of means. I always, well, read your definition. Yeah, I've got a good definition. He, he here. wants to read it. I know he does. <laughs> so, it's a lack of psychological movement or growth. So you basically, you stop growing. And those unable to cope with managing a household, raising children, 
managing their career, they're likely to feel psychological stagnation at the end of middle adulthood. So when I think of stag, like I think of, when I think stagnant, I think of like stagnant water where like if there's a river and there's, you know, a collection of stagnant water when it's no longer running, it starts to get useless, murky, yeah. like mosquitoes and larva-ish. Yeah. Less than useless, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's, it kind of gets icky, murky, miry. And so it's kind of saying that when you're unable to deal with the stress of those life tasks like if you don't if you're unable to nurture your intimate relationships or you kind of feel like you're at a failure with them um if things with your kids aren't going the way that you wanted to things with career aren't going the way that you wanted it to you're not able to put that creative mind behind it or you just continue to fail then that's when that stagnation really starts to to take over yeah i guess like a midlife crisis like yeah, I'm not uh, like midlife crisis. And this I'm is the sure, age of a midlife crisis, so. Yeah, I'm sure that you know, in the midst of it, I mean, from the outside looking in, you're like, you know, kind of what a, what a dumb move, you know, or you know, you you took out a loan in your house and you bought a sports car, you know, or something like that. But when you're when you're going through it, I imagine that, you know, you're kind of just answering this question of like, hey, what what is my life and. And you might be feeling stagnant, or if you uh, maybe like you divorce your wife in this stage, or or you you can't take your kids anymore. Um, but if you give up on your family in this stage, um, it it's doesn't saying, get better. Yeah, it says it doesn't get better. You're actually going towards stagnation, and you have to fight those inclinations toward serving your family. Yeah, toward benefiting the world. It's always harder to leave a legacy than it is to be stagnant, but Absolutely. it's always better, more fulfilling, more joy. And we haven't got there yet, but we already know like that's been our that's been the case in life so far. And that's what they're saying in this book. Yeah, and you know, that that is a good point. This is our first episode where we've not been through these stages yet. That's right, that's right. So I feel like the last two episodes we've been able to speak and we can also speak through experience. Like Oh yeah, that developmental task missed that one, <laughs> That's right. and I felt this. That's right. Or oh, my friend, like I've seen him or her really struggle with that. Um, but this is the first one where it's uncharted That's right. territory. And I for think us. for me, it's saying like, okay, I've got to really be concerned, and like I'm, I'm 32 years old. You know, it's like I'm, um, it's like I need to be concerned with other people, mm-hmm. loving them, caring for them. Be concerned with loving my wife. Be concerned with loving my ch- my my daughter, and uh, be concerned with my productivity and serving other people at work, um, in what I do. And so it's a, uh, it's like I cannot allow myself to look to myself, look to my desires and my wants, and and turn inward and stagnate when I see life falling, you know, or not turning out the way I want it. Yeah. So it's a, it looks like a fight, you know, ahead of me. So going back to these different terms and stuff, the central process. So we mentioned that there's a central process that each stage has, and that is how you either get to, you know, generativity or stagnation. And the central process for this stage of life is person, environment, interaction, and creativity. 
So that's your interactions with your the people around you, the interactions with the, um, really with the environment. So I don't know why I think about your work instead of mine, um, probably because my work is still interacting with people. Yeah. Um, but even I feel like at your work, you have more opportunity maybe to be creative in like a hands-on kind of way, especially at JTEC. Um, but then there's also the creativity side of it where if you have an idea, you can create it. Um, or I don't know why this example comes to mind, but we made a rocking deer for our little girl before she was born. It's the idea that Randy had and we made it and you know i don't know if it's gonna be passed down generation to generation but that's just a a really small example of it. there's i don't know why i even thought of that there's so many bigger things in yeah. this season of life that that come from that central process so what do you think about that yeah no, it sounds right and it sounds like like that's something that maybe should be happening in middle adulthood where you're buying or you're making things that you're good at you're competent at and you're using your giftings to serve your family you know kind of like that rocking deer yeah and so when you've hit this generativity um like when you hit that stage of life and you are not stagnant then care is the prime adaptive ego quality that you meet and so with care in this season you have a widening commitment to take care of the person's um, the people around you that you really love and care for. You have a, a greater commitment to take care of the work environment and the, I guess the responsibilities that you have, you have a greater care about, whether it be uh, the ideas, the environment, the people around you. And what's really neat about care is it's kind of like a climaxing of all of the other prime adaptive ego qualities. So you can't just have a growing care for someone if you have not reached hope. You cannot have a greater care for someone if you don't have purpose and will and competence and fidelity to your values, fidelity to others, if you don't love. So this really is where life kind of starts to climax and all the things that you've been working on in life up to this point starts to really shift from self out to others. Yeah. In in the season of life, in the stage of life. Yeah, like I'm really looking forward to this stage because I really do. I think it's I've I've pictured I've got in my mind just a picture of a lot of old men that are like, Hey, listen, I care about the things in my home, the things that I uh, I have, the things I've built, accomplished. Um, because in some aspect they kind of represent me. Like I, I contributed to them and and I care about other people and their businesses and what they've accomplished and built. And I want to see them built up. And I don't want to see this stuff destroyed. I want to see it preserved and continued and, it's, and it's, built upon. So. It's kind of a taking your eyes off of yourself and the people around you. And then you shift your eyes onto the next generation. Yeah. So it's, what am I leaving for them? What am I, how am I bettering the world for the people to come after me? That's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so pretty incredible. Yeah, and um, then on the flip side, the core pathology. Is rejectivity. And so if you, uh, yeah, so if you kind of go into um, stagnation and then don't um, have this, um, don't exercise creativity and person-environment interaction, then, then you're you gonna, basically you're just going to, um, you're going to be unwilling to embrace 
certain individuals, certain groups, and you're going to reject them, certain ideas. And, um, and as, as an extreme level, you're going to be uh, paint things as targets for hostility and annihilation. And so it's... Uh, it's kind of like everyone at that point, instead of like wanting better, wanting best for the people around you... You want to destroy it. Everyone's a threat to you. It's all of a sudden like... That's right. I have to reject you. Your idea can't be good because it's better. If it can't be better than mine, because that's an attack against me. Like we can't be together in it and be excited for the people that will benefit in the next generation. Or um, we can't care for someone else because we are too concerned about what I will miss out on if if someone doesn't care for me. And so um, this really is an eyes honed in on self. That's right. Instead of eyes out wanting betterness and greatness for the people to come after you. Yeah, and what I love is like, you know, this is a secular textbook, but, you know, that is very biblical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a simple biblical idea that, hey, that's the <laughs> best for you. Like, you want a rich life? Look to others. Look to the needs of others. Mm-hmm. And uh, this textbook is saying the same thing. If you want a, a rich uh, middle adulthood, Look to the needs of others. Don't look to your own needs and and wants, but serve other people. And so, yeah, pretty cool. So let's move on to latter adulthood. All right. So latter adulthood or later adulthood, whatever you want to call it. It is age 60 to 75. What are the tasks with this? It's uh, accepting one's life, mm-hmm. promoting intellectual vigor, redirecting, redirecting energy toward new roles, and developing a point of view about death. That's big. So, yeah. I mean, really what I, I think I hear in those stages is kind of like retirement. That's right. <laughs> I mean, not everyone will retire. And, you know, not everyone will retire at 60. But especially that promoting intellectual vigor, it's like you got to keep learning. You can't just put your brain on hold and... But a lot of times your career is kind of over and it's time to work on new projects right. and you're trying to <clears throat> redirect energy toward new roles because you're no longer, I mean, you still might be mom and dad, but a lot of times you might also be grandma and grandpa at this point. You're no longer the the worker in the career because you've retired. Yeah, you might be giving advice to people who are working. Yeah. You know. So that's big. Yeah. Um, and then, gosh, accepting one's life, it's kind of to the point where... You've lived it. You've lived it. There's yeah. no surprises on who you are. I mean, there's going to be surprises in life, but it's... You've pretty much... You've lived your life. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like accepting one's life. It's like, hey, yeah, there's probably some things I didn't do that I wanted to do, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And... uh Maybe so, my family didn't quite turn out the way that I wanted it to, or the career. That's right. Um, I never, yeah, pursued this interest or that, and I kind of accept that that is the reality. I didn't do it, or I, or, you know, or I, or I did, did do, do it. it. Yeah, and, that's right. And it was really awesome, and now it's over. <laughs> that's right. There's a whole lot to it, and, and so what a you know a weighty emotional, you know, psychological. I don't know what the you know. Like time it is to really reflect yeah. on your life. And so And then how huge um, it is to begin to develop a point of view about death. Because, you know, we all know that death is unavoidable. 
But this is a stage of life where you start to say, it's unavoidable, and it's, and it's coming quicker and quicker. That's right. So, it's big. And so, should we go on the psychosocial crisis? Yeah, let's, let's hit it. Yeah, so it's uh, integrity versus despair. And so, if I can... And the central process that will get me one way or the other is introspection. Hmm, thinking within. That's right. So I'm going to be thinking about my life at this stage. You're going to be thinking about your life. We're going to be kind of accepting our life as it is and and looking at our lives. And if we look, I guess if we do this well, it's going to lead toward integrity. And if we fail at this moment, kind of how we see ourselves at this moment, we might fall into despair. That's good. So when we think about integrity, when someone is in integrity, they're able to accept, you know, the facts about their own life. So that's where they're able to accept the reality of I've been really successful or I've not been really successful. I haven't accomplished this and I wanted to, or I did accomplish this and it wasn't as great as I expected it to be. Or it was really great and it's coming to an end. Um, And so able to accept those facts about life and then be able to face death without just trembling in fear, Um, you know, wanting to escape it at all costs, but you're able to, to face it and say, you know, I've enjoyed my life, I accept my life, and now I also accept the fact that the death is, is coming. Yeah, and, you know... Kind of crazy to think about being in that stage, honestly. It is, it is. But I tell you the verse that I think I'll be clinging to is uh, is a biblical verse, and it's a biblical idea. It's, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Mm, that's and, good. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, that's. I feel like, you know, you have to have some kind of foundation that leads you toward, pro- as you process this stuff, integrity. And uh, the Christian worldview gives you this worldview that says, you know what? My life is what it is, and it's by the grace of God I am what I am. That's and, good. Uh, so, or, you know, and it's like if you don't have an, the ability to um, look. Wait, hold in, on. I want to talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Because I think that's good with just being able to, it's by God's grace. And I think that through all of our life stages, but I can imagine especially in latter adulthood, we're able to look and, and see the story that God has written and so, you know, right now in life, it feels like there's so many um, open doors. And I can imagine that latter adulthood, it feels like a lot of doors have closed. A lot of doors have opened that were unexpected. Um, you know, right now, it's like we're married. We have one child. There's so many things that right. could happen that could not happen. But I think in latter adulthood, like where you say, it's by God's grace I am who I am. It's like you're able to look at the full story of your life, knowing, you know, maybe I have 10, 15, 20 more years to live, 30, you know, I don't know, you might have a long time to live. I'm not saying that you're going to die between 60 and 75, because I don't think that is true for a lot of people these days. Yeah, I don't know what the average, you know, Um, death. But I think when we're able to see God, you know, we have something, this isn't scripture, but it's a biblical principle. It's like your story is written with the steadiest of hand. We're able to see where God has been good to us through so many different kinds of things. Through great heartbreak, God was good. 
through great joys and celebrations, God was good. And so I think they're in this season of life, it really is also um, the ability to look back and remember God and remember His character and remember what He's brought us through. That's right. I think it leads you to integrity. Yeah. You know, and you can accept what your life has been. And, uh, but also, you know, without, you know, this is kind of how I think, like, without a, you know, a God who gives purpose. And, you know, I think you would go to despair. Mm-hmm. Which is really just the opposite of integrity. You know, I'm going to read the definition, but it's a uh, inability to incorporate into their self-image a lifelong record of conflicts, uh, failures, disappointments, along with accomplishments. It's a little bit hard to read because it's on my wife's side. But <laughs> it's uh, you're basically, you're unable to confront the death of your dreams. You know, I, I guarantee you, like, you still, you've never done these things. Mm. And you've wanted to do them all your life. And you've never accomplished them. And you just can't accept that What's you that? haven't done them. What's that word that um, people sometimes say they struggle with? Like, um, not bitterness, but like... Resentment. Resentment. I feel like there's a lot of resentment. I don't know why I couldn't think of that word. But a lot of resentment in... Um, despair. In despair. Yeah. Yeah, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. But so. um, continuing on, so when you do, um, <coughs> excuse me. So in order to get to that integrity or despair, um, rightly, it takes the central process is introspection, and so it's looking within and and kind of having a right view of self having a right view of your life, but even more so having a right view of God and His character. And then um, it'll either lead us to, if if integrity is it, it leads us to wisdom. If despair is it, it leads us to disdain. Yeah. And so wisdom. Yeah, I like wisdom because, yeah, I like it when people define, it's tough to define what wisdom is, right? But they kind of define it by five um, kind of like characteristics of wisdom. They say that wisdom is comes from Factual matters about fundamental life, so knowing things. Uh, procedure knowledge, knowing how to proceed with things. Kind of a lifespan contextualization, contextualization where you kind Tell of like, that is. hey, yeah, you can do that in this amount of lifespan, this amount of time, or you can't. You know, you kind of know what can be done, what can't be done. Uh, and then it says relativism, relativism of values and life goals. And so I think it's, you know, that I mean, that's a little bit unclear to me, but I think for the most part, it's probably like understanding kind of how realistic, <coughs> you know, values and life goals. I guess having a right view of those things, um, and then the ability to know when you're uncertain. Yeah, and it be able to manage uncertainty, and so um, it's kind of cool to think about that because. Like, if you think about a woman with wisdom, and I guess this is kind of going back to our last stage with that leaving the next generation better. It's not only knowing that stuff, um, but passing it on. You know, the our, we always hear that um, wisdom is the application of knowledge. And then, you know, from a biblical worldview, the application of knowledge for the glory of God. And we glorify God through it. And so um, it's like knowing all these things applying them and passing them on for the next generation as well so i just kind of imagine like a gray-headed lady with glasses on and 
coming and teaching all the younger ladies or, um, you know, the, that passing on of wisdom. Yeah, that's right. And then on the flip side, disdain, that is just feelings of like, uh, like contempt for ideas that or really for people who are seen as inferior uh, or unworthy. And so it's almost like disdain is rejectivity that we talked about in the last phase's little brother that they just, they go together and they think that they can't celebrate anybody else. They can't be thankful for anybody else. Um, It's arrogance and it's my own opinion. My own views are better than everyone else's. I won't even listen to your views because I'm better than you. It's like, can't even have a conversation that's productive. Yeah. So. You know, it's funny. I, uh, I've been listening to this book on Karl Marx, and I think he's a classic example. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I do, do, because later in his life, he just, he couldn't have a conversation with anybody. He would just fight them. And uh, it's uh, pretty interesting. But. Uh, in the last, oh, do you want to move on? No, I just, uh, yeah, I, maybe we should move on. Um, so, elderhood? Let's move on to elderhood. So. That's. It, go ahead. 75. Until death. Until death. And so uh, the developmental tasks in elderhood are coping with the physical changes of aging, developing a psycho-historical perspective, and traveling uncharted territory. Uncharted territory. Life structures of the very old. So, I mean, that is what it sounds like. It's figuring out how do I do life when I can't see anymore when I can't hear as well when I can't get out of bed and it and it feel the same when I can't get in the sun I can't I'm sick I'm Uh, sick yeah I can't walk without being out of breath I can't go upstairs and so you kind of have to take on a new perspective and you begin to think about like what's going on in my life what has gone on in my life and you become kind of that introspection I think kicks in a lot where you begin to look back at life and and kind of see what is it that I've left behind Um, and so where you used to be working to leave something behind now you're at a point when you are thinking through yeah what have you left Um, so it's a lot of uncharted territory and because there's there's no one really walking you through it at this point. You are the person walking other people through it. Yeah. The uh, the psychosocial crisis is going to be immortality versus extinction. Mm. And the central process is going to get you there is social support. Which is pretty, like, we need social support all throughout our lives. Like, every one of these That's right. um, seasons or stages of life. It's critical that we have people with us, literally, into our old, old age. Yeah. So. And that's what I think, too, of like, yeah, it seems like the central processes are really like the caregiver at infancy. Mm-hmm. Like, your your development is going to care, is going to depend on how they care for you. Really, it's infancy through um, early, like your caregiver, yeah, is infancy through yeah, you're imitating early um, yeah, yeah, I, childhood, middle childhood, and then like middle childhood. You're educating through um, early or later adolescence, early adulthood. It's your peers, and then 
And it's you. Like you're and, experimenting. And it's, and it's you, yeah. yeah. But a lot of that comes in with your, your friends and your peers. And yeah. then from, um, it, it takes a turn back to look at the people underneath you, like your children, your spouse, and, and stuff like that from in adulthood. And then really later adult, latter adulthood and elderhood, it's kind of a, a back to looking in, but you still really, in order to be healthy, need intimate relationships. Yeah, you need support. You need other people. And so I, uh, it's, uh, yeah, my wife is so smart. She said it very well. Like, you need people your entire life. But you especially need people, it seems like, you know, in your older days, in your latter days. And that's important. The, the reason it's important to even mention that is because in these early, older days, especially for people whose spouses who are, who are not married anymore, um, people whose children have grown up and have their own families and are balancing all those things of middle adulthood. Um, it's so important for us to remember the people that are in the old, old stage of life. So, yeah. which is something that I don't really consider as often as I yeah, it makes me want to kind of go to a nursing home and and just have some conversations and <laughs> talk to some older people. But uh, so let's talk about immortality. So uh, you know, kind of what is immortality as far as the textbook is concerned? It's this ability to recognize that there is a finite amount of future time until your death, as well as an unlimited trans- transcendental future time that begins with their death. And extends toward infinity, and so it's this idea. <laughs> he read that. If you didn't, he. I mean, he said he read that, but go ahead and explain to us what those words mean. Transcendental future time. What's that mean? Transient. Transcendental. Transcendental. She's got me on the spot here. I would say transcendental means, in the context of the sentence, it's a um, changing future time. That is unlimited. Yeah, that's kind of what I would say. So I would say that they're <laughs> defining immortality is that you recognize you only have a little bit of time left in this life, but the time that comes after your life is still very great. It's unlimited. That's right. And so, and so in the book, I remember reading this a little bit, and it kind of talked about from a Christian perspective. It's like, yeah, that's when a new heavens and a new earth. Yeah. Begins. You begin to have an... Well, hopefully you don't begin to have an eternal perspective, but that's where your eternal perspective is something you're thinking about a lot all more. the time. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so it's, it did say, like, you know, immortality can also be this idea that, you know, your legacy continues on. You you continue on through the memories of uh, loved ones and uh, those kind of ideas. But I thought it was interesting just the idea of immortality. That how healthy it is to have this idea of life continues mm-hmm. after I'm I'm gone. My life continues after I'm gone, after I die, after death. And so, from like I said, from a Christian standpoint, it's like, yeah, your life gets really good if you know the Lord. Yeah. And uh, and so the other side is um, extinction. Extinction. You're really just bound to your own life, and you're bound to the time that you have in this life on this earth. So it's just, you're so scared. Like, you're trembling in your boots that life's going to end, 
and that it's going to have meant nothing. That's right. And that's what, I think that is probably one of my greatest fears. And uh, it's very tragic. I, I know some people that they just think that when you die, you die. And they just haven't put together the pieces that, that means that, you know, in many ways your life is, um, it amounted to nothing. Yeah, because if you think about it. No purpose. There, I mean, anything that you've accomplished in your career doesn't matter doesn't at matter. that point. Anything that, any money you've accumulated can't take that to, to eternity with you. Um, any kind of cool things that you've collected, like experiences you've had. Yep. All of those things at the moment of death really yeah. don't mean that much. But I'd say everything you even built is going to, a few years down the road, it's going to be gone. And yeah. so it's so important to know, like to have that eternal perspective to where you know, you know, um, what am I trying to say? It's so inter- important to have that internal perspective so that you don't um, lose I, hope. Yeah, and I just remember, um, gosh, I remember talking to my grandfather when right before he did pass away. And my grandfather was a wealthy man who went on all kinds of adventures. And, you know, he had, in a lot of ways, what he would probably consider a really great life. Um, he had what he wanted, I guess I'll say, um, or he could easily get it. But when a few days before he died, I remember him talking to me and him saying like that maybe I was right. Maybe, maybe the important things of life was the Lord. And it's just like in that moment, I mean, it was, it was a bigger conversation than that, but it was one of the most impactful conversations I ever had with him because Literally, he just kind of had admitted that money didn't matter, adventures didn't matter, the opposite sex didn't matter, but what did matter was whatever came after this life. And I, I don't know that at that moment he had really grasped onto that yet, um, but what matters is, do you did you love the Lord? Did you love other people? You know, the first and second greatest commandments that he gives us right there. Exactly. So. Yeah. And so that's that's the stage of life where you're having to deal with these kind of questions, those big, deep questions. And and we're dealing with those things specifically all throughout life, or we should be. But this is just when it's it's really it's like your weighty. fluent that's most right. thoughts. Yeah. So, um, and like we said, to get to immortality, uh, the central process is social support, so that you still have a, a solid community around you. And without that solid community, without the people around you, then we get to a point of extinction. So, be in community your whole life. Get in a routine of it now. That's right. And then, uh, if we get to immortality, we get to confidence. We can honestly, we can die with confidence. I'll let you read my definition for confidence. This is what Randy has um, written down. It refers to a Conscious trust in oneself and in and an assurance about its the meaningfulness of life. So it just means you've lived a good, meaningful life. Yeah, I didn't really like that definition. It's like this trust in oneself, but I know like it's a you know it's a secular textbook and 
And uh, but I did like the assurance about the meaningfulness of life. And uh, from a Christian perspective, you know, you can be assured that uh, Jesus is a Savior who came to redeem His people, and you can rest in that and all the meaningness that flows out of that. So meaningfulness that flows out of that. So yeah, confidence in death. And then if you can't have uh, the core pathology is diffidence. Diffidence. And so Brandy wrote here. I wrote the inability to act because of the overwhelming self-doubt. And so it, it talked about in the book, I've, I don't know that I've actually seen this in anybody yet, but it's pretty interesting is you see that by uh, older, like old, old people not being able to make daily decisions without getting advice from someone else. And so I don't know that I've actually seen that in people, at least people that are don't have dementia or something. And so that would be really interesting to see play out. I don't know that I've experienced anyone with that yet. Yeah, I just wonder. I wonder why. You know, it'd be some you know interesting studies. Like, I mean, just would it be like, hey, I look at my life and the choices I made, and and I can't trust myself to make choices, and so I need you to help me make choices because, you know, of where I've led myself to. Or, or is I, it just like no ninety years of decision fatigue, and you're and you're tired of making decisions? Yeah, you know? I don't know. So, but, but yeah, overall elderhood is getting to that point where you feel good about the legacy that you've left behind and you feel good about the reality of death. And from the Christian world and life view, you really do consider eternity. And so uh, as we kind of wrap up this, um, you know, having a eternal perspective for all of these seasons, as we raise our children in infancy, being able to raise them now with the hopes that they will be an elderly person that is ready to spend eternity with Jesus. Um, and we can have that perspective through every stage of life. So, Yeah, and I think it's very fascinating. Like, it really is, too. I think that these ages, you know, they definitely can change. Like, middle adulthood, you know, managing a career... I've, I see no reason why that stuff couldn't. It probably was happening, you know, at age eighteen, right back uh, in the day. Well, this is saying today's world. Well, and it's talking about. It's not talking about working. It's talking about at eighteen, you're not in your career. You might be waiting tables or starting out. something out. But right. managing your career is when, like, okay, I'm. I don't know, I'm in the corner office now and I'm figuring out what it looks like to be in this role, in this field. So you're more set in your Yeah, career. I think what I'm doing is I'm just trying to speed up uh, he just wants- adulthood like because I feel like I was so slow in growing up that uh, I want my children to grow up really fast. I don't want them to grow up fast. And, I want them to uh, want to snuggle them <laughs> that's forever. Right, that's right. And so, uh, you know, 15 years old, son, go out and get married, you know, and uh, get you a job. And um, and then, you know, we'll have to, you know, figure out about all the medical stuff that you can't sign until you're 18, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, anyways. Uh, so, but, yeah, well, fascinating. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, we enjoyed it. And we really hope that you do see the beauty of God's design. And I hope that you see how science and God's design complement each other. 
Absolutely. And, you know, that that you would live life in such a way where you love God and you want to worship Him with, you know, offering your life as a, a living sacrifice, an act of worship to Him, and also to leave a legacy. Because when it comes to elderhood, you know, I've heard this said so many times, and, and you know, we never know when we're going to die. We might die well before 75. We could die at 32, you know. Um, but the only thing we'll ever be able to take with us to heaven is other people. And so if we live a life where we can make much of Jesus and share him with others, I think we won't regret it in life when we look back. No, if it's only going to make it so you can handle latter adulthood and elderhood. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So, Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, let's take it out. Well, let me say, we didn't say it on the front end, so if you're still with us, follow us on social media. Rate and review this podcast. I've heard that you no longer subscribe to podcasts, that you now follow them. I don't know that I've been on a podcast platform to see if that word has changed, but follow us on everything. Rate and review this podcast. We'd love a five star, and we will see you next time. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.